Welcome back to Desert Island Dishes with me, your host, Margie. My castaway this week is Zana Van Dyke. Zana is a blogger, personal trainer, and fitness model with over 170,000 followers on Instagram. At only 24, it's just awe-inspiring to think of what she's accomplished. She's walked in London Fashion Week. She has her own line of activewear and a fitness events company. She released her first book last year and has graced the covers of numerous fitness magazines. And she was appointed as the UK's first global ambassador for Adidas. I wanted to speak to Zana to find out her secrets to success, particularly at such a young age, although I slightly missed the boat on that one, and to get her view on diets, balance, and living a life you love. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Zana. Hello. So lovely to meet you, and thank you for Desert Island Dishes. Thanks for having me. <laughs> As a personal trainer mm-hmm. and a fitness blogger, I thought it'd be really interesting to get your view on food and to talk about the things that you love to eat. But to start with, I know people will be interested to hear, how did you get into personal training and ultimately become a fitness blogger? That is a long story, (laughs) Um, but I'm going to try and consolidate it into little nuggets of information. So I actually studied at the University of Sheffield to be a speech and language therapist. Oh, wow. um, And I qualified specialising in stroke rehabilitation after four years and during that time that I was studying that I loved my degree but I actually got quite into fitness I decided to start a fitness blog on the side just for fun that kind of grew of its own accord as a hobby and by the time I left university it was at a point where I actually could start to do a few exciting things there and I thought to myself you know what speech therapy is always going to be here and this fitness blogging thing isn't always going to be here so why not just take a risk and I said to myself you have one year to prove yourself give it a go so I qualified as a personal trainer and moved to London and just took one big old risk and uh, ended up paying off. Yeah. So to yeah. ask a stupid question, what does it take to train as a personal trainer? There's various different courses with okay. very various different governing bodies and things like that. But the main thing you have to do is a course which is certified by reps, um, which is the body for personal trainers. And these can be anything from like six week intensive courses to more long term slower courses where you extend it over time you just have to do like level two and level three personal training qualifications then you can be a personal trainer amazing I never knew that so in terms of becoming a fitness blogger was there a specific turning point where things really started to take off because I remember when you were on the cover of the Sunday Times magazine yeah that seemed like a pretty big moment yes for me I think that was a turning point I think before that like things were ticking over but I was still personal training like five days a week and fitness blogging on the side by the time I went on the front of the Sunday Time Style, everything just kind of went boom. I got a book deal within a month. I got signed to my agent within a month. Everything just went a bit crazy. And then last year, obviously, I was on like a few different magazine covers. And then there was the book. And then I got signed to Adidas. And I felt like 2016 was like the year that everything kicked off. And yeah. I think a lot of it is due to the Sunday Time Style magazine. So you now have a staggering 170,000 followers on Instagram, which is amazing when you say that <laughs> do you feel any pressure from having that many followers does it come with a certain responsibility I don't ever get stressed about it or feel under a lot of pressure because I think it's grown for me so slowly I haven't been like an overnight sensation I've been doing this for four and a half years yeah so I feel like I haven't it hasn't happened so fast that I feel like oh my god what's happening it's been very slow and progressive and I think I've got used to having people there watching what you do yeah so I kind of, I am aware that I have a responsibility and I'm very careful about what I say. And one of my key principles in what I do is that I'm not an expert. 
like I can talk about fitness. I know a thing or two about fitness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to get other people in to talk about their areas. I don't like to pretend that I know everything because I don't. So I think my responsibility is to be that place where people can come for evidence-based information that isn't necessarily just for me. It's from other people in different fields who are specialists in their area. Yeah. So I think I do have a sense of responsibility, but I just try and do everything I do with a solid head on my shoulders and don't do anything silly. That, yeah, <laughs> that really comes across. I think your message is really honest and consistent, and I think people respond to that and really appreciate it. Thanks. I try, I try. <laughs> You're welcome. So, Zana, the first dish of the day, what's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood? Oh, okay. So my mum, when I was growing up, she has always done home cooked food. Like I'm sort of like I've been brought up on pie, yeah, um, <laughs> like, nice big stodgy amazing meals. So I'd say one of my favourites from what's the question from my childhood? Yeah, okay. Is it really cheesy to just say like a good Sunday roast? No, that's like, a great answer. That is classic my mum wouldn't even just do it on a Sunday she'll just do it in the middle of a week Wednesday and any let's, let's have a roast why not <laughs> grandpa's coming round. so yeah I'd say a Sunday roast my mum just always does it so well and she would do like the roast potatoes done in goose fat and she would do the like, most incredible roasted vegetables and Yorkshire puddings which were like oh clouds <laughs> clouds of heaven that sounds amazing. Has yeah. she taught you how to make that? Or... I think she's tried. Yeah. <laughs> but I do struggle with a roast because there's so many things to juggle. Yeah, it's definitely. So many things to juggle. There's a big timing element. In yeah, roast, isn't but there? Um, Sunday roast is definitely a childhood meal that I will always love. Yeah, well, that's a very good choice. Mm. Um, so you've created a career out of doing something that you love, which mm. is amazing. And obviously the aim for lots of people to love what you do. Mm-hmm. But exercise is more than just your career and you'd be doing it regardless of what your job yes exercise is about so much more than just the effect on what you look like but for you what are the other benefits of exercise I think for me exercise it comes from a place of self-love I think a lot of people who exercise do it because they hate their bodies they want to change their bodies they're not happy in their skin they're not happy in who they are and how they look and I just think that's such a negative place to come from when you're thinking about fitness and nutrition so for me I've worked on for a long time my relationship with myself I'm very content So now when I go to the gym and I train, it's because I want to look after myself. I want to feel strong. I want to feel fit. I want to make my body have strength and longevity long into the future. So for me, fitness and training is ultimately a form of self-care. And beyond that, it's also a way for me to de-stress and switch off. Like when I go into the gym, that is my time when I'm not working. Like that is just pure enjoyment. So yeah, it has multiple facets to it. Yeah, it's definitely for your head as well as for your body, oh, isn't it? massively, massively. Do you ever have days where you just can't be bothered to go to the gym? So many. <laughs> and I think I used to stress about it. I used to think, oh, I should I should just go to the gym anyway. I used to like try and make myself go. Whereas now, if I'm just sleep deprived and my alarm goes off at 5.20, which it does every day, and I want to go... 5.20? Every day. Wow, okay. That's, that's my alarm, 5.20. <laughs> that was my alarm this morning. And... When that alarm goes off at 5.20, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I just can't do it today and I just need to sleep. And I'm not afraid to listen to my body and just take a rest. And like last month, I was traveling so much. I think over the course of three weeks, I only trained about five times, which in the past would have stressed me out. But I just realized like, you know what? You can't always be smashing it. And I've got the rest of my life to be fit. Yeah. So if there's a couple of months where things go a bit off the rails, it's not the end of the world. Very wise words, (laughs) Well, anyone that follows you on Instagram will know that food is very important to you Mm -hmm. and you're always cooking delicious looking things. Uh 
But I read that just a few years ago, you said you didn't have a clue how to cook. And you even stated that you couldn't boil an egg, yeah. let alone make a fully fledged meal. Yeah. So this seems like a good moment to ask your second dish of the day, which is the first dish you learned to cook. Okay, so when I was at university, I got this like student cookbook. It's like four ninety nine, quick, easy student meals. And I just made a chicken stir fry. Okay. Because I was like, oh, this is really easy. I just need to put vegetables, chicken and noodles in a pot. Yeah. But sometimes you need a recipe to show you. Yeah. Because I didn't even know. I didn't even know how to chop an onion, mate. I didn't know anything. I was like, oh, that's how you dice an onion. Like, I (laughs) just didn't know. I didn't know. I used to just think you just put everything in and I realised, oh, there's timings. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I think for me, it was university was when I learned a lot about cooking and I definitely made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. So tell um, just there something is there one particular thing well, that went quite wrong you can't see it on the podcast guys but I've got a big scar on my wrist from oh, yeah, when you do. I tried to make a risotto oh no um, <laughs> what happened there was just boiling water everywhere oh no but, was uh, that the first and last time for the risotto or... <laughs> no I, I persisted but I didn't, didn't burn myself again in the future I never made the same mistake twice yeah I just risotto was a tough one <laughs> yeah I mean, risotto is a tough one Last year, you released your first book, Mm -hmm. Strong, Mm -hmm. which has over 80 exercises and 40 recipes in it. Mm -hmm. How important was it to you that the book included recipes? It was very important to me because I think think a lot of recipe books, at least the ones that I pick up, I sometimes feel like, yeah, but I can't get that ingredient. Where where am I supposed to get that? Like, I shop at the co-op down the road. Yeah. I can't get ground flaxseed from there. Well, yeah. nowadays you probably can, but like, <laughs> you didn't used to be able to no. get that. So I kind of feel like I wanted to make a cookbook where all the ingredients were really readily accessible and they were cheap. And there's yeah. nothing which, which you read it and you're like, what is that? Yeah. Um, and everything's like wholesome and satisfying and filling. And yeah, I think for me, it was a huge part of it because like everybody says that training is really important, but nutrition is more than half the battle. So yeah. I definitely wanted to include recipes in there as well. And what is your favourite recipe from the book? Ooh, beetroot brownies. Ooh. Or the lemon coconut overnight oats. Mm. I tell you what, I get tagged in those oats like three times. A re- really? Like, everybody loves them. They're your most popular recipe. Yeah, think? those and the brownies. What's just... it? So talk <laughs> us through those oats. So it's just like a soaked oats with oats, lemon zest, desiccated coconut. Um, I think there's maybe a little bit of maple syrup and some protein powder and vanilla extract. And it's just really delicious and amazing. Yeah. And you can just add like fresh fruit the next day and you can take it on the go. So. And so really good that you can prepare it the night before. Oh, yeah. So convenient. And then did I also see on Instagram that you add grated courgette sometimes to your oats? Yeah. So there's a recipe in the book for zoats. So zucchini oats. Yeah. And I think somebody once said to me, my friend Hannah said to me, I thought they were called zoats because they were Zana oats. Oh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, I did not invent them. <laughs> I definitely did not invent them. But that would be cool to name a dish after yeah, yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but basically, I do sometimes grate courgette into my oats, which people think is quite crazy. But you can't taste it, and it adds volume, it adds greens, and it adds extra nutrients. Yeah, so no, that sounds very why not? why not? And the beetroot brownies, yes, is the beetroot instead of something, or just is it just added in as an extra? Extra moisture, okay. extra moisture, and you can't taste it hmm. at all. They and, just taste like normal brownies. And are they red? They were like... If you look at them in certain lights, okay. they have like a rouge tint. Okay. But, um, yeah, they're going to get them at their best angle. <laughs> so how, like the, the process of writing the book, yes. how did you go about creating the recipes and then deciding which ones were going to go in there? Well, that was interesting. I mean, I shed many tears into saucepans full of yeah. dirt food. I'm not going to lie. 
But um, I think a lot of it, I, I actually had a couple of days brainstorming with my mum. I went back to Yorkshire because my mum is an amazing cook. And I was like, there's things that I want to include in here, which you cook me as a child. So uh, there's actually, when you read the blurb about each recipe, there's certain things that's actually my mum's recipes. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. That's and really nice. Just things which I make. The problem was that when I cook food, I don't measure it. So for me, it was just a case of cooking my meals and then trying to measure it as I go along and make it into a recipe. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Always making sure you've got a notebook in the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. It was an experiment and it was a learning curve. I kind of enjoyed it, but it was very stressful at the same time. Yeah. And how, how long did it take you to write the book? To write that's what the whole book yeah. over a year. Okay. Yeah. I took a long time doing it. But I mean, it's it's big. Yeah. And I wrote it myself. I yeah. didn't have a ghostwriter like a lot of people do. I just decided if this is going to have my name on it, I'm going to write every single word. And yeah. I didn't quite realize how much of a mammoth task that yeah. was. So. <laughs> a so, big yeah. undertaking, but definitely worth oh, it. Oh, totally worth it. So Zana, the third dish of the day. Yeah. What is the best dish you've ever eaten? Oh, in my whole life? Yeah. Wow. So I'm a bit of um, of a sushi fiend. I don't actually eat fish anymore, but one of the best things I've ever had is the blackened cod at Zuma. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It just is like butter. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It melts. Literally incredible. So, yeah, I think Zuma food, like the soft shell crab, the tempura soft shell crab yes. and the blackened cod. Oh my oh god! My goodness, Sana, those are like the best choices. There. Yes, those are my favourite things. <laughs> so are they those the kind of things that could tempt you back into eating fish again? I do, I never will eat it again. Okay. but um, but yeah, I just I you do think, miss. You think things. about it fondly. Yeah, I look at soft shell crab and I think, damn, I miss you. But it's okay. <laughs> Um, so as a personal trainer, I think it would be interesting to find out what does your exercise routine look like? Because it's such a physically mm. demanding job mm. that are you sort of counting any of those workouts as your workouts? Or? So it's it's changed over time because I don't really do that much personal training anymore. I only teach a few classes a week. So I was doing one-on-one PT for a couple of years. And then I figured like, there's like, I've got so much of the stuff going on. Why not just focus on group training for a year or two? So that's what I'm doing at the moment. And when I teach groups, I don't work out or do anything. I kind of okay. just train them and shelter them, which yeah. is great fun. So that doesn't really count towards anything. So my own routine is based around lifting weights a couple of times a week and doing a couple of hit classes. And then I do one mobility session where I use like trigger point balls and foam rollers to kind of release any tension in my body. And then oh. I have a couple of restos. That sounds good. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I try. I try and look after my body. I try not to do too much. I think there's a temptation when you live in London to do so much. When I just think actually your body needs more rest than you than you realize. Definitely. So. Yeah. That yeah. Sounds very sensible. And <laughs> um, I love your whole approach to life, which is about balance. Uh-huh. And ultimately, life is about finding what works for you as an individual. But balance is key. Yes. What are your top tips for someone who's looking to get into exercising but doesn't really know where to start or what they should be doing okay so my number one tip if something sounds too good to be true it's too good to be true okay <laughs> okay so if some somebody says I can make you drop 10 pounds in two weeks or if a product says that or if anybody says that don't believe them okay so the realization that people need to have when they come into going into their own fitness journey is that it takes time yeah and you have the rest of your life to get fit and healthy so stop trying to look for results tomorrow like that is not sustainable. Sustainability is enjoyment and longevity. Okay, yeah. So you need to find something which you enjoy and something which you can do for the long term. So if you're on a diet and you're thinking to yourself, I can't do this forever. That ain't the diet for you. Yeah. You need to be eating in a way which you enjoy and which you can do for the long term. So I think for me, it's just avoid the fads, avoid the bold claims and 
find a balance and don't deprive yourself. Moderation, not deprivation. Oh, yes. Did you say that's your motto? <laughs> that is my motto. Oh, it is, is it? That's my motto. <laughs> that's a great one. <laughs> that's really interesting. So if someone's sort of hating being in the gym, slogging it out on the treadmill, the yeah, advice is just, yeah, find something else that you find love something. doing. There's so many other ways to get fit. Yeah. So many. You can make it fun. Exactly. Sana, your fourth dish of the day. Yes. What is your favourite sandwich? Sandwich? You know what? That's a good one. So, is it okay if I self-promote right here? Because yeah, in, in my book, there's a mashed avocado and butter bean sandwich, Ooh. which has got like mustard and stuff in it. But you can like switch that out for different flavours. And oh my God, it's so good. Wait, that sounds also, good. So you mash the butter beans with the avocado. Yeah, and some of the little bits and pieces. Yeah, it's super filling and delicious. And flavoursome and you can like add twists to it so you could add like some chopped tomatoes on top or some feta like you can do whatever you want with it it's so versatile but it's super filling and nutrient dense so that sounds really good and yes. what kind of bread are you having that on i'm i'm a sourdough gal okay i'm a sourdough gal or a mix of sourdough rye yeah. i like something with a bit of flavor yeah yeah that, and a good that, crust yes definitely good, <laughs> crust. good choice that sounds delicious So as well as everything else that you do, you're also a travel blogger, which is a dream job. A dream. Where is the best place that you visited? In my whole life? Yeah. In terms of the food. Food? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Okay. That's hard. Um, So I would say for health food. Yeah. Australia. Okay. Obviously, Australia is like their health food scene is just next level. Their brunch, their acai bowls, their poached eggs, like. Everything out there is just insane. There's so many different options and there's so many whole food shops. And I was just literally in heaven. Yeah. Um, Do you remember the best place that you went there? So in Byron Bay, there's a place called Safia, which is Egyptian health foods. Mm. And it sounds so random, but it's just incredible. Like their cumin eggs and like, oh, their falafel wraps and, oh, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> and there's a place called Combi and they do the best peanut butter acai bowl that I've ever had. Anyway. So is, coming from you, that is a big place. It's bold. It? Yeah. It's bold. Um, so Australia for health foods. But in terms of just general flavour, I think Southeast Asia. I just love Asian food. Yeah. Vietnamese food, all the fur in Vietnam is just incredible. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an Asian food kind of gal. Do you remember so, like where, which particular country that you had the best thing that you've eaten? Oh, so in Cambodia, they have this certain type of curry. I can't remember what it's called, but they serve it in banana leaves and it's yellow. I made it from scratch um, at the hotel that I was staying at. And I was just like, wow, this is the most incredible curry I've ever had. So I really like Cambodian flavours because they're subtle. They're not overly spicy. Yeah. It's like all subtle and creamy and delicious. So Cambodian curries. And do you ever, when you get home, try and recreate them? I do. I do. But it's hard because just getting the ingredients in the UK is really tough. Like, where is that banana leaf? Yeah. Where can I get a banana leaf? (laughs) Thank you so much. It just doesn't really work that well. I have the recipes, which from the hotel when I cooked it, but it's just a case of pretty hard to recreate in London. Yeah. (laughs) Also, it never tastes quite the same as when you're in like a lovely hot country. Exactly. Feeling relaxed. Exactly. Being in London. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked about the rest of the world. What about London? Do you have any favourite places that you can recommend? So I don't know if you know this, but I'm the founder of London Brunch Guys. Yes. Yes. So I am a bit of a brunch so some of my favourite brunch spots in London I could list would be La Mocha in yeah. Battersea, Ozone Coffee in Old Street. They have the most insane brunch menu. Um, what would you recommend having there? Oh, 
Their banana bread is great. Ooh. Oh my god! But the banana bread from Beanie Green is the best banana bread in London. Wow! And that's bold. But that they serve bold. it with like an incredible mascarpone and like oh, it's the dream. Okay, that sounds. I amazing. just <laughs> oh, and Lantana's their courgette bread is incredible. So that's like some of my top spots for brunchy foods. Excellent recommendations. <laughs> As a digital entrepreneur, having done so many different things from modelling working with top brands, writing a book, launching an events company, blogging, and yeah. creating a never-ending stream of content. How do you stay motivated? I think for me, it comes back to always having a why. Like, why am I doing this? What am I passionate about? What is the message that I'm spreading? I actually did a blog post yesterday, which was called, What Do I Stand For? And it was just me explaining, like, what is my purpose here as a blogger? And what do I actually want to talk about? And what difference do I want to make? Because I think as a blogger, it's quite easy to just get sucked into that world of posting a pretty picture with a couple of lines underneath it. And I'm like, that's not what I'm here for. I want to be a blogger with a purpose, a blogger with a meaning, a blogger who's making a difference and making a change and spreading a message and not just a message which everybody wants to hear. Sometimes a message which challenges you and makes you think and pushes you out of your comfort zone. So for me, it's about doing something a bit bigger than just posting pretty pictures. So I'm eternally motivated because... I have a purpose and there's things that I want to achieve and they're beyond getting brand deals. It's about actually making a change. So um, yeah. I so think can, that's what motivates me. Can you give us like a tiny snippet of the blog post that you wrote? Like if you had yeah. to sum up your purpose in... I can say I can say the five bullet points. I won't okay, yeah. explain what's okay. in them. So balance, female empowerment, conscious living, mindfulness, education. Wow, that's so, amazing. So that's my that's my areas. And I think... Some of them are pretty obvious, like balance and female empowerment. But when I start talking about mindfulness and conscious living, people are like, oh, I didn't realize that was part of what you're doing. But it's a huge part of what I want to spread. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask what advice you had for someone who might be looking at what you're doing and thinking that they'd like to have a go to. And would that be maybe your biggest bit of advice would be that. Find your why. Yeah. As a blogger, so somebody wants to do blogging. Yeah. I think. Often people say, oh, blogging's so saturated, there's no room for me. There's always room, and especially there's always more room at the top. Like, there's no reason why you can't get into this and why you can't grow. If you've got a message that you want to spread and you are effective at spreading that message, then you can do it. You just have to find your niche and have to find something you're actually passionate about. Don't try and do what everybody else is doing, because ultimately people are going to see through you one day. You have to find something which you really, truly care about and run with that. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really good advice. Really good advice. Yeah. <laughs> so, Zana, your sixth dish of the day. Yes. What is your go-to dinner party dish? Ooh, okay. I would say something with halloumi. So I just, because I don't eat meat. So halloumi for me is a people pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> people love cheese. People so, love cheese. <laughs> so I'd say something like with halloumi. I actually do a really nice warm lentil and halloumi salad. So that'd be quite good. I think that's good. And it's a people pleaser because like you can just dish that up and you can have other bits as well. And they can have other salads or they can have some meat. You can have anything else that they like. So a warm lentil and halloumi salad. That sounds really delicious. Good. Like cherry tomatoes and spinach. And, oh, yeah, that sounds dream. really good. And what about a pudding? okay okay people pleaser crowd pleaser i'd say the peanut butter blondies from my book because they've got chickpeas in don't tell anyone but they um they never can tell yeah but um they're so gooey it's like actually it should be illegal just (laughs) they're so good they're just so incredible so 
the peanut butter blondies and then just like some maybe peanut butter banana ice cream oh, yeah. made. you can never have too much peanut butter exactly <laughs> just peanut butter on peanut butter with some peanut butter on top like <laughs> why so not? the the peanut butter and um, the chickpea blondies yes are the chickpeas in there just to add texture it's kind of moisture texture and it kind of creates a density it makes them gooey okay if you didn't have the blonde if you didn't have the chickpeas and the blondies they just wouldn't be as like gooey and dense and incredible as they are plus like added fiber added protein so why not yeah it's a winning combination yeah and you can't taste them so zana you've done so much and yet you're still really young what is next on your list so i think i get asked that a lot and there's actually no huge plans at the moment. I do have some exciting things coming up with Adidas, which I can't talk about. But I think for me, what I'm focusing on is just last 2016 was huge for me. And I, I think I agree quite a lot and loads of amazing opportunities happened. But now I'm just like, okay, I'm in a, a nice place where I'm very comfortable. And now like let's nail down what I want to do with my brand and where I want to go and wh- where I want to take it. So I'm kind of expanding it in different directions. I'm talking more about things that I really care about. So like the environment and sustainability as well as mindfulness and um, I'm going to branch into do my own retreats and some more of my own events so yeah I just think for me the focus right now is just to do what I'm truly passionate about and make sure that I'm staying true to myself in everything that I'm doing and there's nothing huge coming up okay, but no just consolidating and all the amazing things that you've been doing <laughs> I, I wondered you said that last year was a really massive year and it's where so many things yeah. changed for you when you're in the middle of a year like that, yes. does it feel like it is the beginning of something big or is it just such a whirlwind that you're just sort of going with it? You know? It's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think in the moment I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. But also I was very, I had a huge sense of gratitude and I kind of could tell like, this is probably going to be one of the best years of my life. I think I need to try and enjoy all the madness that is going on right now. So I was very aware of what was happening. Yeah, I think in the moment you do sometimes get swept up and I was always like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And sometimes something huge would happen, like a magazine cover would come out. But then I knew that next week I had something else going on and I kind of felt like sometimes I didn't take enough time to dwell on all the incredible things which are yeah. happening. So like, I think oh, another magazine cover. <laughs> you should never think that. I, don't, I never really did think that, but I think sometimes you just need to really sit yourself down and be like, look, this is what you've done. If you told yourself you would have done this a few years ago, you wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. So I think I have to give myself reality checks ever so often. But luckily this year has been a bit more of a grounded year and it feels like it's, it is a massive whirlwind this year. It's not as crazy as last year. And I'm yeah. getting more time to sit back and reflect and absorb what's going on, which is really, really nice. And I think finally this year, last year I had no work-life balance, as in it did not exist. There was no days off. There was not enough sleep. I Honestly, I was on the brink of burnout. Whereas I feel like this year, I really have a balance, which although last year was probably the be- one of the best years, the best year of my life, in terms of actual sustainability, I couldn't do that forever. Yeah. Whereas I feel like what I'm doing this year is an amazing year and I'm enjoying everything that I'm doing. Perhaps it's not as fast paced as last year, but I actually have a balance. Yeah. I'm actually looking after myself and I'm getting to see my friends and family and my boyfriend and maintain relationships and a wow. social life, which is like <laughs> something which didn't really happen last year. No. So. Yeah, I feel like this year the balance is so much better. That's great. So much better. If the world of social media didn't exist, what do you think you would be doing? I guess it would be related to your degree. Yeah, so I'd be probably in a hospital working in stroke rehabilitation. Other areas that I enjoyed in speech therapy was traumatic brain injury, 
or things like Parkinson's. I liked working with the older client groups. I've never been, never really been a children person. I like kids, but I don't want to work with them all day. Okay. Um, so I was more of a an adult person when it came to SLT. So speech and language therapy. Sorry, sorry. So I do a lot of things with stroke rehab or hospital wards or outpatient clinics, things like that. So I think I'll just be working in speech therapy. Yeah, that's pretty amazing plan. <laughs> <laughs> so Zana. That brings us on to the seventh and final Desert Island dish. Okay. And that is the last thing you would eat before being cast off the Desert Island. Okay. So this is basically like my final meal. Yeah. So that's, you can go. That's serious. You can go all out. That's really serious. Okay. So this is, we're just going to pretend that I still eat meat, right? Okay. <laughs> I eat meat. I eat everything. So this is my childhood dish, right? This is what I would do when mum was like, you cook what you want for dinner and I couldn't cook. Have white pasta with a can of chicken and white sauce. Oh, it makes me feel sick when I think about it now. <laughs> and then loads and loads and loads of grated red Leicester cheese on top. Uh, how bad is that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> that was my childhood. Okay. Like, when I was like 14, 15, 16, mum was like, what do you want for dinner? I want chicken and white sauce on pasta, mum. And then would it be a bake? Or no, it was just... I, I just stir it all in. It was just white <laughs> pasta with chicken and white sauce and so much cheese that it's like falling off the plate. There's just so much cheese. Okay. That was my dish. So I'd throw it back. I'd throw it back to the early teenage years. Yeah. I can't ever imagine eating chicken out of a can again, but I would do it because it'd be my last meal. Yeah. And then probably for dessert, I'd have like coffee pudding. Yes. With vanilla ice cream. Yeah. And on the side, I'd have like a Dr. Pepper. Oh. <laughs> I love Dr. Pepper. <laughs> is that not the most random meal you've ever heard? That is random, but no judgment. <laughs> you are allowed whatever you want. <laughs> I want to start. Yeah. Soft shell crab. Oh, obviously. With aioli. From, from Zuma. <laughs> Followed by pasta. <laughs> That's this amazing. This is the dream meal. This is the dream meal. <laughs> it's, it's high and low, which I like. That sounds amazing. What a great last meal. And with that, it's the <laughs> end. Thank you so much, Anna, for letting us hear your island dishes. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so that was Anna's Desert Island Dishes. I love her outlook on life and she had some great restaurant recommendations in there. Whilst Bar and Bay might be a bit far for me to go, I'm definitely going to check out some of her favourite brunch spots in London. To be honest, she had me at banana bread. If you don't already, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter, but mainly Instagram at Made by Margie. Come and say hi. And you can find Zana at Zana Van Dyke. And do subscribe to this podcast. It would also mean the absolute world if you felt like leaving a review. It's really easy to do and it just helps me find new listeners, which is great. Thanks. So until next time, bye and thanks for listening.